Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. That was the one I was thinking. I guess technically he never said he was here. I guess that's true, but it did show up that he was seeing the messages that we were sending. What an asshole. Hello? What's it? Well, why didn't you join the first time when I started the call? You started trying to call before time without me indicating that I was ready. I saw you were there. You were seeing the stuff that we were sending. I knew you were present. Yes, and I knew that we had like six minutes before the scheduled start time. So I wasn't prepared yet. Scheduled Wait. start time doesn't matter. Come on. <laughs> You've really got to center yourself before entering into one of these conversations. Well, I had to get my my mic out and stuff like that. Get the it's lights just, set the way I wanted them. It's just not permanently out, ready to go at any moment? No. Why not? <sighs> my mic and soundboard are permanently out, ready for me to start at a moment's notice. There are routinely children running around my house. I don't know what to tell you. The other day, one was standing on my laptop. Ooh. So no. There's a moment where I'm like, glad I didn't do that. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you tell them it's not a toy and then immediately start playing a game on it? Maybe, but that's not the point. Stop behaving the ch- like children and be quiet while I watch 80s horror movies in the dark in my room. Anyways, why did you guys start early? Why are you starting early? No one starts early. We've never started early. We've been doing this for like five years. We've never started early. Because we were all here. We were ready to go. We started we early. We weren't all week. here. I wasn't here. <laughs> Fuck. I was like in the other room and I could hear the thing going and i'm like what is that i'm like oh that's what skype sounds like when it's not through your headset why would they be calling before i have my headset set up (laughs) this is very upsetting (sighs) well no we get to be happy that we upset doug it's usually the other way around Noah gets no credit for this. Technically, just you upset me. Don't don't make Noah happy. <laughs> I can still have that little victory. <laughs> Doug is going to come after us with vehicular themed vengeance. <laughs> uh, if you learned anything from the movies this week, I don't even own a motorcycle. Obviously, you need a motorcycle to either be a badass or come across as a criminal depending on what era that your movie is set in it's true 
That is the primary difference between the two films this week is that in one case, the bad guys ride motorcycles and the other one, the good guys ride motorcycles. That's just the shift from the mid 80s to the early 90s. It is one of the very small differences in, in these movies. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Doug, why don't you tell us about uh, Eye of the Tiger? Tiger, Tiger. Tiger. If anybody's wondering, yes, the song is in the, the movie multiple times. Oh, it's oh, it's in the movie. There's no mistake there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they really, they really got their money's worth for paying for those rights. <laughs> yeah. They, like, look, we paid sure it's for it. We're gonna, we're gonna use it. Can be. Yeah. Um. But that's not the plot description because the song actually makes no sense in the context of the movie. But um, the plot description is Gary Busey is getting out of jail. He is going to go back to his wife and kid and live a nice, peaceful life. Um, we get, you know, through dialogue, we find out that he's a, he's a real good guy. He saved someone's life in prison. So that guy owes him big now. I will not mention all the inappropriate racial overtones that came across in that discussion because there's no need for them whatsoever. Um, Wasn't he a Vietnam vet too? Yeah, he's a Vietnam vet. So he gets back. I just just bring it up because apparently it's a third theme for this week. Yeah, it's uh, we have at least three or four. (laughs) It's so we get back and uh, basically people start hassling him. There's this uh, biker gang that has taken over the town, and he ends up rescuing a girl who's about to be raped, which naturally upsets law enforcement because they don't like his vigilante style. And that's our first clue that the whole town <laughs> is the whole town is actually corrupt, guys. The sheriff's in on it. It's what? Sho- it's a shocking turn of events that nobody could have seen coming. One of one of our four themes for this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, eventually, uh, basically, Gary Busey has to. Uh, is he's attacked? His wife is killed, and his daughter is traumatized, and he has to go to war with this biker gang. And eventually, they kidnap his daughter, and that's when we go full commando. Because uh, it turns out that the rich guy that he had saved in prison sent him a jeep, but it, or not jeep, but like a pickup. And anyone just to pick up. It is a full on well, war machine. It's with like machine if a Ford guns. F-150 fucked Knight Rider. It's it's a Dodge, but it's um yeah, it's it's got machine guns and rocket launchers. And his buddy, who is one of the a uh, few non-corrupt police officers in town, that guy has a plane, which I didn't understand why he had a plane until the climax of this movie, when he's flying that thing like a World War One ace, tossing grenades <laughs> out the side of the bad guys and shit. Ugh. That's our primary theme for the week, if anyone hasn't picked up on it yet. It's the uh, the guy from Alien has to help his friend seek vigilante justice in a corrupt small town. That's our main theme. Gary Busey is coincidentally in both the movies. Well, technically, I think that's still a sub theme because the the thing for it was Gary Busey vigilante movies. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know Yafat Kodo was in both of these movies. <laughs> no, that's, me neither. Like his best friend. He so plays his best friend in both theme. movies. Yeah, I mean, and then and they're both vehicle themed. And they're both about a crooked cop who's helping with a drug ring. And they're both. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> They're both about Gary Busey's family gets traumatized and he has to take vigilante justice into his own hands. Is how it's, Vietnam let down soldiers and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. In both cases, he actually um so in this ca- in this movie is revealed that the reason he was in prison is because he came back and was kind of a war hero and everyone looked up to him. So the sheriff kind of had him locked up to turn him into a criminal so that he couldn't like rile up the town anymore against the corruption. And in the next movie, we find out that the reason the sheriff won't arrest him is because he's a war hero. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, there's your plot. Um, it's you. We're, we're going to discuss the details. We're going to discuss the decapitations. We're going to discuss the lassoing guys from the back of a moving truck. I, I mean, we're going to get into all that stuff. But the basic plot is, yeah, he's got to seek vigilante justice after his wife is killed. Well, it starts because he starts vigilante justice when like a nurse is attacked. Yeah. That's not really vigilante justice at that point, though. That's just protecting a person in danger, right? I guess. But, I mean, he doesn't call the cops or nothing. He's just like, I'll protect this lady (laughs) that I've never met before. (laughs) It's fascinating because at this point, he's driving like an old, rusty, beat-up truck that, like, you're worried, like, if you close the door with the windows down, the window will break inside. Or if you step down too hard inside, your foot will go through the floor. And he uses that thing as a battering ram against these bad guys. Yeah. But I mean, they are committing a gang rape at the time. Oh, they are. He has, he's he's a good person. He is within his rights to do so. The, but it's it's the first time in this movie where we see the contradiction between the the two movies that they're telling at the same time. Because he's having this like pretty serious moment, and like we see him go to the like we see when we follow him out of prison, we literally watch him like go and register with the sheriff's office because he's on probation and he has to check in once a week and all that and we see him like meet up with a couple of friends and stop and buy presents for his daughter like this is trying to be a serious movie and then the minute that he uh he sees an opportunity for violence he's jumping that truck over jumps like it's the dukes of hazard (laughs) he's slamming into guys see that's what makes it vigilante justice he's almost like a fucking superhero like he swoops in with his truck like and just like goes over a jump Fucking hood comes off. Like, it's incredible. That hood comes off and it stays off. He drives around the rest of the movie with no hood. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are li- leaving out the important detail that the uh, menacing rapist in this scene is the mustachioed bad guy from uh, The Golden Child. <laughs> is it? I, I, I'll, I will only ever refer to him as Dr. Mindbender because he looks just like the G.I. Joe character. <laughs> Yeah, and he's I, he's the one that's guarding the child and gets touched and gets mind controlled. And I will shamingly admit I've still never seen the Golden Child, so it should go on the list at some point. What the what the fuck? Yeah. It is wrong that should be righted. I, I'm completely in agreement with you, Noah. I've just never had the opportunity no, to watch listen, it. Listen, listen, you guys are getting off topic. We're not talking about Gary Busey jumping his truck anymore. <laughs> he jumped his truck and they tried to shoot him and the hood fell off oh that's the thing about this movie is like most of the drama stuff in that great and then every now and again they're like but we're kind of in an exploitation action movie and we're like oh yeah we are (laughs) (laughs) i would say a majority of this movie i'm not a huge fan of i mean but but when it goes high octane action like jumping your truck and the hood flying off 
What about when they decide to get revenge on him and they attack his house and they're driving their motorcycles through his walls, which makes no sense. You can't drive a motorcycle through a wall, but you can uh, in this movie. How about second round of revenge where they dig up his wife's coffin and drag it behind their motorcycles oh, to Jesus his house? Christ. <laughs> and how about revenge of revenge of revenge of revenge whenever he shoves a Vaseline coated <laughs> stick of dynamite up a dude's butt? <laughs> I told you we'd get into the details. <laughs> See, that stuff's oh. great. Oh, yeah. Like, but, but his, about, like his daughter being catatonic and him like sitting in the no, hospital with her. I'm like, look, this is dumb. Let's, drama, get, let's, let's get back to blowing stuff up. The drama in this movie is objectively terrible. There's a scene in this movie where he's sitting in the hospital and he he's walking with a cane at this point, which, by the way, that cane just disappears. They yep. just forgot that he had a limp in this movie. No, but, uh, no, no physical therapy montage no, to explain it. Nothing nothing like that. He's, he's, there's no the whole movie takes place over the course of a week. You can't have a physical <laughs> therapy. Montage. There's no time for one. But there's like he's sitting on the bed with his daughter. He's got his cane there and. The nurse comes in to check on the daughter, and it's the nurse that he saved earlier in the film. And she's got, like, black eyes and shit. And you're like, oh, this is, like, a hugely dramatic moment. And they both just sort of look at each other and shrug. Like, what the hell just happened? Like, I don't know. No, no, this is, this is your opportunity to create drama in your film. This is, like, obviously the guy that wrote the script wanted this to be very dramatic. And whoever's making the, the movie is like, nah, forget it. <laughs> And there's there's so much stuff like that in this movie, like the uh, the best friend, the guy from Alien that's the best friend. He's like he's reluctant. He doesn't want to get involved in all this because he's about to retire. And he's that's I guess he's fixing up his plane because he's literally going to fly it off to Florida and retire. And he's, <laughs> I won't need anything else. Just me and my plane. <laughs> and he's just but he's just like, but by the way, if you can already afford a plane, why are you still working? What's the issue here? <laughs> but but. <laughs> That's all that's aside, like his whole character thing is supposed to be that he's like, I don't want to be involved. I don't. And as it gets worse and worse, he kind of gets gradually dragged in. But how it plays out in the movie is like, I don't want to be involved in this at all. OK, well, help me capture one of those guys and bring him in so we could force him to be a witness. All right, I'll do that. But then after that, I don't want to be involved. And then he just keeps he just keeps being involved in saying he doesn't want to be as opposed to there being like an arc to it. And it's kind of like that with everything. My favorite example is um, when Gary Busey finally decides he's going to call like the DA and the DA is like, well, we can't like we can't we don't have witnesses to do anything and like all this. And he's like, well, you know, that's when they get the idea to catch the guy and make him into a witness. And I'm like, yeah, but you've already murdered three people at this point. Like you're beyond doing the yeah. right thing. Yeah. You remember that so, time whenever you strung that wire across those lamppost and cut that dude's fucking head off? And it was brilliant, dude. When that guy's head came off, I was so happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining that he murdered the people. I'm just saying maybe the movie could be edited in a way where you first first you reach out to the DA, then you try your plan of like force one of the people. Then when that doesn't Oh my god. Himself, what are you doing, Noah? Nothing. It sounds like you're running a burlap sack over your microphone. No. Stop. <laughs> you're doing it again. Wait, is it this? Are you no, blowing your not... nose into the mic? Could that be it? It's not, that's not it. Noah, stop. 
stop. We're trying to have a serious discussion about this movie, and we're getting to the part where he runs that wire across the road. And we need to discuss how... Is this causing a loud tapping sound? That's causing a loud tapping sound, which is not what we heard. (laughs) It sounded like you were rubbing sandpaper over your microphone. Weird. If you continue to do these... Did my voice just get significantly loud? Yes, it did. And and very altered. Huh. <laughs> you guys had six minutes before the scheduled start time where you could have worked out all these kinks before calling me. You guys know that, right? It wasn't doing it until just two seconds ago. All right, well, it's not doing it now, so go on. Then. Anyways, yeah, but the storytelling's bullshit, but then he... <laughs> also strings that wire across the road and it takes that one motorcycle guy's head clean off, which is genius. It's like, it's so much fun and the helmet's laying there and there's that 80s stage blood flowing out from it and I'm like, just smiling ear to ear as I watch it. I'm sure you guys were enjoying that too, right? Of course. I mean, it's, uh, you can't enjoy all of this movie. Like we've said, some of it's really dumb, yeah, but yeah. Okay, yeah when, no. it, when it hits, it, it hits out of the park. <laughs> What about when when he uh, when he's trying to catch that guy though, and they like this is another I example. Solved the issue. It was really quiet, and now just when you asked that, it got really bad again. Anyways, good times. But, what about when he was when he when he lassoed that guy from the pickup truck to try to catch him to make him become one witness? Well, this is our sixth theme of the week: is lassoing people off of uh, vehicles. <laughs> So, yeah, that's apparently a <laughs> man. These movies are very, very similar in, in plot. I mean, in tone, they're very different, but it's uh, yeah, it, it was super fun when he last used that guy and pulls him back. And then when they get to the hospital and they're like, ah, you crushed his larynx with your lasso. <laughs> so he can't talk to be the witness. And then you're like, damn it. God damn it. That priest that's just hovering around the whole movie is like, maybe he can write down what he saw. Like, he's just like, (laughs) (laughs) sure, why not? (laughs) Oh, good Lord. It's so funny. And that's the guy who ends up getting the stick of dynamite shoved up his ass later during our eighth theme, which is uh, Gary Busey interrogates people using uh, Kiefer Sutherland from 24 style techniques of just (laughs) hitting them until they say the truth. Or at least what he wants the truth to be. Yeah. Well, for the purposes of these movies, torture works as an interrogation technique. In the real world, they kind of just say what you want them to say to shut to make you stop hurting them. Um, I do like Gary Busey at the beginning of this movie. Like when he first gets home and he's just interacting with the kids and stuff. I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, I can see it. I can see why Gary Busey was so charming. Yeah, I can see it. I, he's he's not quite like a traditional leading man, like a, for action movies especially. But he it works. He comes across as that kind of everyman that like, and by giving him the backstory of Vietnam and stuff, you're like, okay, so he's we know he's going to be able to do the action stuff. And he pulls it off. The scene where he brings the gift to his daughter is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I can almost see like this character – is like the prequel of uncle red from silver bullet. <laughs> like, like he's super happy and nice. And you know, then by yeah. the end, he's got all this darkness and gloom to him. 
Sure. By the time we saw him in Silver Bullet, he'd be like, yeah, I'm just, I kind of drink to forget a bunch of shit, and that makes me hysterical. (laughs) I mean, that's not unreasonable. (laughs) I did like, uh, the one scene I I thought almost worked dramatically was the scene where his wife's all mad because he has been stripped of his, like, power at work. And he's, like, very understanding about it. I thought that's that was, like, one of the most humanizing things about him, where he's like, yeah, no, they had no choice. They're giving me a job, but obviously I'm not going to walk back in at, like, the management level that I was at. So we should just be grateful that they're letting me have a job back and I can work my way back up. And yeah. I thought, like, like what a, what a really understanding guy to do, considering he believes that he should never have gone to jail like he's but we were never shown the incident that resulted in him going to jail which i think is technically good filmmaking but he thinks he was self-defense he got convicted of some sort of some sort of assault right so we uh we know he's a hothead but we also know that he is very reasonable in the circumstances given where he's at yeah And all of that doesn't matter because what matters is like later when they kidnap his daughter and he has to he has to drive that cool truck of his through. Or what about when he sets the booby trap? We can't forget about the booby trap. We should go through the exploitation scenes in order. The booby trap where he puts a dummy in his old truck that's stuffed with explosives. <laughs> so when the bad guys attack him, they come walking up the truck to see if they got him killed and they look in and there's a dummy there. And the truck explodes and takes out like four of them. Yeah, that was rad. All the action stuff in the movie was like super fun. It's not, I don't know if it's objectively good. It's 80s direct-to-video action, which is super fun to watch. I bet like, I don't know if you could call it good, but. (laughs) I feel like, and we're not there yet, but if you took some of the drama stuff from the second movie. Yeah. Put it in the action from the first movie. Yeah, you would have a pretty decent movie. I think so. I think like, I think like even the drama is not super great in the second one, but there's more. You're just kind of like, okay, I understand. It's much much better in the second one. There's something about the execution of it in this film where I'm just like, like I say, like a nurse walks in and sees her savior sitting there with the results of like the punishment he got for saving her, and they can't make drama out of that. That's the easiest thing in the world to make drama out of. Like <laughs> there's, and there's something about it where it's like, I, I think maybe there was like pressure from the financers to make this into more of a movie movie and less of just a, why don't we just blow some shit up? Movie. Yeah. yeah I could see that. Because like, uh, I just don't think the people making the movie cared about the storyline as much as they cared about the action sequences and the, you know, everything else was in service of that. Yeah. Cause even the element with like, like there's like the, the evil sheriff ends up arresting him at some point and he's like slapping him around while he's handcuffed to the chair. And like the other deputies all seem fine with that. Then at, at the end, after the big explosions and shit at the drug dealers, like camp, we see like the other the sheriffs are like or, is ordering his deputies to arrest him and they're like no 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 and i'm like i i don't know are they supposed to be scared of him because he just took on this drug gang or have they come around and they now don't want to be the bad guys anymore and they've kind of learned their lesson because they've 
seen everything that their sheriff has done. And I don't know which one of those is true. Yeah. It, it, I only know I, I don't, it has to be one of those. I don't feel like they did either. No. Like, I know it has to be one of those because I've seen enough other movies to know that those are the two options at this point in the story. But I don't know which option is accurate. And that's not like that's not a compliment to the filmmaking, you know, because, <laughs> again, like it's it. If you're a competent filmmaker, and I acknowledge I never could do it, but the people who are getting paid to do it should be able to tell that story and give those guys that little bit of an arc in one way or the other. Either have it be a funny moment where, no, we're not arrested that guy. Did you see what he just did? Or have it be like, no, no, Sheriff, like this has gone on far enough. Now there's kids getting kidnapped and shit. We're, we're out kind of thing and have a little dramatic moment. Both work. Yeah. Yeah. So Noah, you made it seem like you didn't like one of these movies. Was this was this it? Uh this was definitely the one I preferred out of the two. Oh. Oh yeah, that's a given. It's Noah. He wants the one with the big explosions and the decapitations. <laughs> yes. Explosions, decapitations, entertainment. Yeah. You know. Um fun, just in general. Yeah, this is the more fun movie of the two for sure, um, because because of all of the action and excitement. What was your favorite action sequence, Noah? Was it the decapitation? It's okay to just say the decapitation. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it was. I really enjoyed the scene of uh, when they were in the truck running down all the guys on the motorcycles. Which one, like the, the lasso, the lasso scene. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. And it, when it ended with them getting to the hospital and finding out that the guy couldn't talk because they lassoed him around the neck, <laughs> like that was that was just like the topper on that one where I'm like, that's perfect. I really enjoyed that that happened. It's like, yeah, you got him, but guess what? Get the shit. <laughs> What was your favorite of the action sequences? Since that's really the best parts of this movie. Um, really, I I do think him charging in in his truck at the beginning. At the beginning, because, because I because I think I wasn't expecting it. Like, all right, so they're yeah they're gonna rape this woman and it sucks, but then you just hear burn and then it cuts to his truck just like flying over a jump out of nowhere and the fucking hood comes off, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and then the rest, like you know, it just got me all excited for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I was caught off guard by the moment. Like, I anticipated him running in and saving her, but I, yeah. in my head, because of the, the way this film had been playing out until that time, I was anticipating there being like three guys there attacking this girl, and he'd just run up and beat up one of them, and the other two would run off or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was, I wasn't anticipating this giant action moment that we got. <laughs> so which is probably it probably isn't as good as we're making it sound it's probably that good because we weren't expecting it we were like we were yeah. not expecting to see any trucks do any jumps in this no yeah i'm not saying it's a good action scene i'm just saying it's my favorite because i'm just like all right i get like you know these guys are doing this thing and someone's gonna put their hand on his one of the guy's shoulders and pull him away and it'll be gary Busey. yeah like i wasn't even anticipating a truck at all no. And then I, all of a sudden, I, I was, yeah. this truck just comes flying into frame. I'm just like, what the fuck? 
I'm expecting a get your damn hands off her <laughs> moment. <laughs> so we have a flying truck. Oh. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming yours is the decapitation. So I mean, come on. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best part is like we see him running that wire across the street and he sets it all up. And then we have a while to wait. And the whole time I'm thinking like a a bunch of bikers are going to come down the street and that wire, they're not going to see that wire. And I, but I'm, it never occurred to me that anyone was going to get decapitated. Yeah. You figure <laughs> they just get thrown off their bike probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I like when one guy's head came clean off, I was so happy. And then when the, uh, the leader of the bad guys, Dr. Mindbender shows up <laughs> and he fucking, he's like looking down at the head and he's like, it's, I think it's like supposed to be his brother or something that got decapitated. I'm not really sure, but it's like, he's like nudging it and he's like, God damn it. Another one of my guys got decapitated. And I love that that really doesn't ever get brought up again. Like in the movie, like the cops interrogate him for a couple of minutes and then they're like, he's like, you can't prove I did anything. And they're like, yeah, you're right. So we'll just stop <laughs> investigating now, I guess. <laughs> like, well, seems to fit what he said. So I guess we got to let him go. Like, he's like, yeah. He's like, you can't prove that I did anything. And there, I mean, to some extent that's true, but also, there was a wire strung across the road that decapitated a guy. You'd think, you know, there's got to be some kind of lab test you can do, even in the 80s. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What else do we got to say about this movie? I did like how they make the, the daughter catatonic so they can just throw her in the hospital and not have to worry about her for a while. Yeah. And then later when she's taken... A lot of it's just Gary Busey handing her off to somebody else like, so, so watch it. Just stay here. And then he goes off and fights people. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there, there's a lot of this movie where you're like, maybe he should stop and father that child. Like that child's had her mother killed in front of her. <laughs> She's gone full catatonic to the point where like we actually see the nurses like working her limbs because they're worried she's going to get bed sores from laying still for too long and then as soon as she's awake he's like good to see a kid going to go kill the guys that did this to you now if you don't mind (laughs) (laughs) you know what we have we we haven't discussed enough yet is the digging up of the wife's grave though (laughs) because Again, uh, a lot of people may not have seen this movie. They bring the casket to his house by towing it behind their motorcycles. <laughs> and they're just like doing donuts in his front yard, tugging his wife's casket behind him. Which is really fucked up. It's oh, it's it's completely fucked up, but not in this movie. It's not. It's like, <laughs> I was going to say, if you really wanted to get inside someone's head, I think that does it. I think you found the magic bullet. <laughs> then, uh, then, you know, his solution to that problem, by the way, which we, it's, it's only subtly referenced in the film, but he goes, ah, oh, fuck it. And he just takes a hole and he's just going to rebury her right there. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a motorcycle. How is he going to drag it back to the graveyard? <laughs> so he's just got to dig out grave for his wife there and put the casket in it. <laughs> The fucked up thing, fucked up thing is, I think I think someone in WWF saw this movie because they did that angle once. The Big Show storyline with like Bossman or whatever it was. Yes, Bossman showed up at uh, his 
uh, Big Show's dad's funeral and then hooked his casket up to the car and took off with it. I remember that. Because I remember Big Show jumping on the casket and it was driving away and he <laughs> fell off. And I'm like, that seems dangerous. <laughs> Good luck. What about when the, when the cops show up and he's digging his wife's new grave? And they, he's got a gun at this point because I, yeah. I think you know I'm not I'm not a big guns guy, but I think maybe at this point you want to have one around. And the cop goes, you know, that's a shotgun's a violation of your probation. <laughs> like, what about burying a body on the private land? I'm pretty sure there's rules against that too. If we're gonna get nitpicky at this point. <laughs> it's like yeah. You're you're, uh, you're real good. You're real good. You know when the bikers were here doing donuts in my front yard with a casket behind them. Thanks a lot for pointing out the shotgun is against my probation. You asshole. <sighs> this would be a perfect movie to have like people around, and you got a couple of beers, and you can like chat during the like boring scenes. And then just everybody stops and stares at the TV when yeah. shit starts going wild. Everybody starts cheering like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I had friends, I would definitely have them over to watch this movie. <laughs> oh, poor Doug. <laughs> Could have Landau watch it. He'd get so bored during the trauma scenes. <laughs> that's, what he's, that's what he's giving my beer. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh. So what do you guys think overall? Is this a, do we recommend people watch this movie if they haven't seen it? I mean, we've, we've spoiled it, but you can't spoil those exploitation scenes. Um, I mean, it's, it's entertaining enough to be fun. I don't, I don't really see that many problems with it. This is kind of a, you've never seen it before. Throw it on and watch it and have a good time movie. Yeah. I don't know. Did you guys, uh, how did you guys watch the movie? To be. Me too. Was your copy kind of messed up that you watched? In certain spots. Yeah. yeah. D- did it make it more fun because it kind of felt like you were watching the movie on VHS? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it definitely added to the experience for me. There'd be like that little tracking wave that went through across the screen somehow. And I'm like, I don't know how that can happen in a digital copy. But I'm glad I, it I was going to say, definitely not as much as the copy of the other movie that I watched. <laughs> because you watched it for free on YouTube like I did. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other movie just nobody cares about it enough to do anything. It's just sitting on for, for free. Yeah. Um recommend. Uh I would say Are you eating a bag of chips? Good lord. What are you doing? How is, how is that that loud? I'm barely making any sound. <laughs> Try making no sound. Just when, like, the only sound you should make is when you're talking about the movies. I'm, I'm literally just sitting as still as possible <laughs> for fear <laughs> that my every bodily movement is going to make some horrible, uh, god-awful sound. Uh, I was going to say, I would recommend this movie and as much you should watch it. And then when the drama parts come on, you can start looking at your phone. But once you hear like the action start ramping up again, put your phone down. Enjoy it. Don't worry. You'll recognize it whenever there's an action scene coming. They hit a couple of chords from that song. <laughs> yep. I have the Tiger will start up. You'll be good. 
Yeah, we get about half the song at the beginning of the movie, then random inserts of it whenever there's going to be an action sequence, and then the whole song over the credits. So (laughs) (laughs) they paid for the rights once, and they used it as much as they could. Uh, All right, well, anything else before we move on to the other movie? Uh, no, I, I guess we hadn't even really talked about Yafat Kodo in this. Like, he plays his best friend, but. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's a well, lot talk, to say. We, He's there for everything, but Gary Busey's Yeah, we, talk, we, we talked about how his character arc is non existent because they do it wrong in the movie. Yeah. And we talked about his big hero scene where he gets to just fly over top of everybody and toss grenades out yeah. of the drug dealers, which is super fun. Like, it's so much fun. And he brings his ghetto blaster in the plane to them, so he's listening to, like, James Brown or whatever it is while he's flying. Which I guess... I just, I just but, love the fact that uh, Man on Fire, the Denzel Washington movie that was very mainstream, straight up stole the butt explosive thing from this movie. <laughs> Well, Man on Fire is a remake, so maybe we'll have to watch the original and find out whether that is from there or whether they stole it from here. There we go. Maybe. The remake's already on the list. Maybe there's a whole history of people shoving explosives up dudes' butts in movies. (laughs) Did it take you guys a couple of minutes when he was like when he was putting like the Vaseline on the thing? I'm like, why is he doing that? Like, I didn't understand what he was doing. And then he just rolls the guy over and shoves it up his ass. No, but I'm like, oh. The second he dipped it in the Vaseline, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. In your wheelhouse, I guess. Shoving explosives up people's asses. Listen, I've watched a lot of exploitation movies, and sometimes a dude gets a butt bomb. All right. I did like in the eighties. It seemed like uh, seemed like the idea that if you own like a World War One biplane, that it's just like owning a car. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. No, like this guy just has one. He's just fixing it himself. This guy who the character who's commonly referred to as the black man throughout the movie because it was the eighties and it made me uncomfortable and I didn't like it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah the racism was not uh subtle it wasn't necessary that was the biggest thing about it there was no like real plot point that mattered about his race and yet they still kept bringing it up and even he well, referred to himself as the black man <laughs> they were just doing it as shorthand to go bad guys are racist and it's like yeah we we know I guess, but wait, no, but why did he call himself the black man? Mm-hmm. Like that was just, that was like he accepted that nickname. They called him a couple other things. I don't know. Anyways, it's kind of a side point. If we bring yeah. up racism, if we start complaining about racism every time we watch a movie from the 80s, that's all this podcast would be. <laughs> Just us talking about racism. Um, well, speaking of non-racism, I don't know how that's a segue, but I'm just I'm making it's it a segue. It's not clearly, actually. I was I was going to use a segue where I pointed out that he gets called one of the same racial slurs in both movies, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Theme number seven for the. For the- <laughs> 
Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us about Chrome Soldiers? <laughs> Not especially. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a movie about Vietnam vets, dun dun dun, who uh, decide to become motorcycle enthusiasts, and then Gary Busey's brother gets murdered, uh, bringing him to his hometown. There's a cop growing weed. Is it Shooter McGavin? I think Shooter McGavin's the cop. <laughs> no, it's no. Uh, it's Will Atherton. It's Dickens oh, yeah. from Ghostbusters. Yeah, I was going to say, it's oh, yeah. from Ghostbusters. I don't know his name. <laughs> you had me confused, yeah. though. You had me confused because I did start watching The Watcher on Netflix, and Shooter McGavin is the sheriff in that show. Oh, that's oh. funny. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, oh, no, wrong show. Uh, and yeah, and, and it's a series of revenge and or shootouts, blah, 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 blah. This movie sucks. Oh, watch Brian. I disagree. Oh, see, I can, I can start controversy on the show. (laughs) I think that this, I definitely, as like watching this, I'm like, well, no, it's not going to like this. I can tell you that because it is a, it is a slow paced drama film rather than an action movie um it is yeah like we don't there's what maybe two shootouts in the whole movie and that one of them happens at the end so we get the original the murder of the brother which is actually pretty violent with the they knock him unconscious and blow up his like marina and then we get one shootout between the sheriff and some side characters and then other than that, there's like what a bar fight scene and then the climax of the movie, which is a shootout followed by a fist fight because it's 92. So it's still kind of like the 80s are still encroaching. So it still has to end with everybody dropping their weapons and having a fist fight. <laughs> yeah. But, but I thought the drama in this film like worked pretty well. Like when Gary Busey shows up, to like the town and finds out that his brother's been killed and he calls his best friend and we get that little montage where the best friend, which is the, the guy from alien. I don't try to pronounce his name, by the way, if you want <laughs> yeah. me to know his name, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not trying that. Um, but you see, you see him on the phone with all these different guys and you kind of, you, you immediately piece together what's going on that he's calling together the old troop. And they're all like, we, we had to meet all, of course, all the guys are in there. Like one guy's like a stockbroker in Chicago and one guy owns a ranch in like Arkansas or some shit. And the other guy, you know what I mean? They all have yeah. like, they're all completely different characters. One guy's a lawyer. Yeah. Like they're all it's, like, it's a shorthand to tell you their personalities without having to spend time on. Yeah. But it's, but it's, a, but it it's works. A well, it's a well done shorthand. Yeah. And that moment when like, so we get Gary Busey again, does a good job of like we see him go and see his brother's widow and the kids and the kids were all excited because you know uncle's coming to visit and so they're like he sees them all and it's it's a working pretty well when they get to the funeral scene and you know you gary Busey's sitting beside his sister-in-law and then all of a sudden you hear in the background the uh motorcycles and you see the guys pull up which ironically is another thing that happened in the other movie was the guy some motorcycle showing up at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different results this time around. <laughs> yeah, the other time it was the bad guys taunting him by showing up at his wife's funeral. And this time it's he shows up and he looks up and he sees them. And when he goes, like he's like, holy shit, like 
he didn't know they were coming. And it's like all his old buddies getting together because they want to rally around their friend in need. Like I think, I think the drama there really works pretty well. And I was like, I was invested in this movie. I wanted that character to get his revenge. Um, now that having been said, the movie's very predictable. You know, kind of where it's going from the get go, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's a little hard to stay invested when you it's so obvious what's going to happen next. Like the minute they find the drugs in the brothers uh, at the brothers, like where is it in a safe or something? And you're yeah. like, oh, so the brother found out about the scheme that obviously the sheriff and his deputies are in on, and he was trying to to catch them and that's why they killed him so now gary Busey has to catch him okay now i know exactly what's happening for the rest of the movie and you're like i don't it's kind of hard to stay too invested in it but yeah i was still kind of like i I thought everything was working at the beginning and and maybe if you hadn't seen a hundred other movies where this exact same plot happened you wouldn't necessarily be able to guess the ending so quickly and it might be more interesting to follow Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did, like, when he shows back up in town and sees that everything's horrible, I had Walking Tall vibes from it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, they're doing Walking Tall. Okay. Well, I probably could have just watched Walking Tall to get that, but all right. <laughs> um, but I did like when, yeah, when everybody started, when uh, Yafet Koto starts calling everybody, I did sort yeah. of like that rounding everybody up again. Thought that was a lot of fun, um, and then yeah, I just like all the guys hanging out together. I like all that stuff. Yeah, even the moments where they're like at the bar and they're like trading old stories and that they felt like a real group of friends. And there is that kind of I don't know how true it is because I've never been in the military, but there's that idea that like when you've been through something like that and you. You, you know, you can go years without seeing each other and still be best friends when you get back together. And I think that's portrayed really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did like all that. I liked all the relationship between all the guys and stuff. You're right. I think that is my favorite part of the movie because yeah. as we pointed out, the action's not really that great. Drama's pretty predictable. Um, but, you know, there's still some interesting stuff throughout it. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. For, for me, it, it mostly worked. I didn't mind watching it. Um, I felt like I, I would have liked the action to be a little better. Yeah, e- either better or. Tone down the action even more and make it full on drama where it, it is like every time somebody fires a gun you worried somebody's going to die kind of thing because there are movies that do that as well um, or or rocket truck i mean <laughs> i mean rocket truck is never the wrong answer so with the head to like since this is basically a remake of the last movie they had to differentiate it somehow it's, otherwise it would have, if they put a rocket truck they didn't have to pay the other guys for the rights it would have been really funny if the bad guy drove a soup-up truck. How is this the mere universe version of this movie? It's just one of the songs from Rocky Four is playing in the background the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, what is the, the song from Karate Kid? 
Or the kid two or whatever. The one that was messed around. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I have a tiger was supposed to be in credit kid, but it got it got swapped out for that one instead. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the movies, like I said, the movies okay. I do like the the drama more, but action less. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the scene where Gary Busey talks to his girlfriend that he left behind. Is that who she is? I okay. guess <laughs> it, they, they had a conversation at the funeral, and she's like, "Yeah, you just left," and he's like, "Well, I got my orders. I had to go." It does feel a little bit like um, how like 18 year olds that are in the military would react when they came home and found their high school girlfriend, not how a 20 year veteran reacts when he gets his orders. Like, like you think if he was in Nam and like they point out he was in Nam and he was in Desert Storm. So he was in the military that entire time in between. You'd think by now he's used to getting orders and having to ship out knows how to handle these types of things. Yeah, and she just acts like she hasn't uh, she hasn't forgotten about him because she's not like even mad at him. She just no. offhand just mentions that the military was like his first love or whatever. And then of course he explains like, yeah. I don't know. Towards the end, I just felt lost, so I felt I had to come home. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Because this is a drama film, it's okay to read a lot more into the motivations of the characters in that is it's super weird that this guy goes to Vietnam, comes back from Vietnam is so like happy to be in the military that he reenlists and stays in the military as a lifer for 20 years. But then desert storm is like, Oh, now I don't know. Like he's got all these like moral qualms about it. That's kind of weird, right? (laughs) That's the war that's, that he questions it, like, and not Vietnam. Because it is like it's it's. I mean, my if I'm remembering my history correctly, like Desert Storm was somebody like Iraq invaded another country, and the rest of the world was like, no, you can't do that, and they just kind of pushed him back, but didn't even go in and destroy Iraq or anything. Like it was like by modern war standards, pretty non-controversial, right? Like this. Like, that's well, how, that's, invade, yeah, that's how I remember it. That's like you can't invade other countries, so like go home kind of thing. But they, yeah, like they didn't even topple the government or anything like that. Yeah, and that definitely didn't cause any problems. Yeah, well, yeah, and then when they toppled the government, everything turned out smoothly in the end. So there's no point in discussing any of that. So it all I was going to say, and the, the, the sweet, sweet irony is that. Uh, George George Bush, the OG, lost his re-election campaign because he didn't stay on top of a government. And he yeah. actually made the right decision, and history has proven that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, I think every, a lot of people knew it was the right decision at the time. It's just, you know, you give the warmongers a bunch of extra years to rile things up. But it was kind of interesting watching them, like like pre 9-11 movies where um, like guys coming back, it's kind of controversial. Some people are happy that you're back and you're a war hero and other guys are like, no, we don't want you people around, you know, it's sort of that, that's sort of like, it's not that monotone. 
everybody who's ever signed up for the military must be the best person ever. And none of them could, you know, none of them could be doing it because they're in a tricky situation and none of them could be doing it for any reason other than honor and glory. And those are the only reasons and everybody better shut up and not ask any questions. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's interesting to watch movies from previous eras where you're like, Oh yeah, like there's some people don't like it when you, when you're, when you, you know, to be fair, the, the hillbillies in the beginning of the movie didn't seem to like it. Because I just had before I even kind of knew like how the movie was like okay what's this movie about, and the guys show up at Stoney's uh, Stoney's dock or whatever yeah, and he's sitting there talking to him and he's like so I heard your your war hero brother's coming home, and he's like yep yeah, gonna be home soon and then he just grabs him and knocks him like over the in the head like on the engine multiple times, and in my head I just heard him say. We don't like war heroes around these parts. Right. We don't take kindly <laughs> to your kind. Right? It's just beating the shit out of them. And then yeah. I realized, like, oh, okay, there's, like, a drug thing. But, I mean, they don't explain what's happening. It's just, like, we don't like people who honorably served in the military. <laughs> Fuck you. But, I mean, that is the idea of the movie at the beginning is that you're not supposed to know why they're killing yeah. the guy. No, totally. But I just thought it was funny just how the conversation was going and then how yeah. they're just like, oh, yeah, fuck your brother for being honorably discharged from the military. Was he even discharged or was he just on leave? We don't even know, right? Uh, I don't know. It made it sound like he was leaving and he was going to be moving, moving closer to his brother and his family. Yeah, maybe. I just—I wasn't sure if he was still deciding or not, but it's not really yeah. relevant. No, it ends up not being a, really a point. Yeah. The main point of this movie is for them to all wear those cool matching leather jackets. Oh yeah, chrome soldiers on the back. <laughs> and to find wanna... the to find his brother's jacket still intact among all the fire rubble later. Yep. I would, dude. I. I want to join a motorcycle gang just so I can have a bunch of guys on like cool matching leather jackets. Right. I'm not sure I would look cool at all when I tried, but it's still <laughs> it would like, Oh, see, but you're too late, Doug. Cause you would have been like, Oh no, my house burned down. And they you would have shown up. They all would have rode that, up on the motorcycles. It's that famous picture. You sit on the curb looking at your house. Like what the fuck am I going to do? And then you would have heard and you would have looked over and all these guys on motorcycles would have shown up. Hey, Ted showed up on his motorcycle that day. <laughs> <laughs> so i remember it because he he pulls up on his bike and he walks up and stands beside me and there was like a solid minute of silence and then he just shrugged and went well i don't know what to say <laughs> does this bike have a sidecar no no he seems like somebody who would have a sidecar on his motorcycle <laughs> All right, i gotta go i gotta call ted <laughs> Oh, did you say Ted? For some reason, I was thinking Tony. I'm like, Tony has a bike? Oh. No, Tony but Tony had an e-bike that got stolen. Oh. That sounds yeah, more no. right, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that does sound more right. But I'm like, if Tony did have a motorcycle, it would be one with the sidecar. Yeah. Okay. Well, that he, makes, he, yeah, that he makes ride, more sense he, in my head cannon. He'd want to ride in the sidecar. Yeah. Ride in the sidecar. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't with Ted. Like, he was riding in the sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> and he had those motorcycle goggles on the whole time. <laughs> anyways oh well good for ted i'm glad ted shut up anyways it's 
It's not, this is we're way off topic again. Did he have a horror Excedra shirt on? Like you guys could have been like, oh. uh, you're asking me what somebody was wearing almost two years ago. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, you were you were lamenting that they w- wasn't wearing matching uh, leather jackets. I'm just saying yeah. a horror horror Excedra T-shirt would have been the closest thing you could have gotten. I don't know if those right. existed. I don't either, but maybe Ted just made one. <laughs> it was just that day. Constantly wearing around. <laughs> it's just a fire. He sees a fire. He's like, quick, I got to run to the basement and make a t-shirt so I can go check that out. <laughs> People may not know I went if I'm not wearing my horror etc. t-shirt. I just tried to get us back on topic, Brian. <laughs> All right, Come on. I'm sorry. Continue. I don't know. What was what was the point we were making before that? <laughs> no. Just having having a group of guys show up yeah. and, and be there for you. It really worked. I also thought, did you notice? Okay, now I'm being serious and talking about the movie again. Did you guys notice how like <laughs> kind of progressive this was, considering it's 1992? Um, the guys actually sit him down and they're like, "How are you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm fine." And they're like, "No, we're your friends. You can let your feelings out in front of us. We know you're in a traumatic time." And I'm thinking, 1992. <laughs> Like a bunch of like Vietnam vets are saying this to each other. That's yeah. that's like wicked progressive. Like it's like, one of them, Gary Busey. Yeah, well, he's the one being all manly. With his, yeah, of course. And keep you know keeping his feelings inside, like I would in the circumstances. And he's like, all his buddies are like, no, you can let it out. And, and he he gives that little speech where he's like, you know about how his brother thought he was crazy to, to stay in the military and how he'd end up getting himself killed. And now he's the one that had to bury his brother. And I'm like, that's, that's again, it's another dramatic scene that I think works yeah. pretty well. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Like I said, if we could just merge these movies, we'd have a, a really good movie, I think. Yeah, I don't know if you could quite merge the drama from this movie with the action from the other movie. <laughs> the, the juxtaposition might be too much. You don't think just it would the, work? I don't know. It might be a little too extremes. <laughs> like, I actually think this movie might have been better if they didn't try to do as much action. If they kind of like, like I say, if they treated it more like, you know, instead of a big like at the end when the when the big shootout happens and the, the cops all pull up and they're like firing their guns into that barn and the fire breaks out and everything. Hmm. I'm like, if you just did that more of like somebody's stalking him and he's hiding and they're shooting at him and he, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff might work a little better. And then, then one of them rides their motorcycle through the wall of the barn. (laughs) Because of course they do. (laughs) That happens in both movies. I swear to, because the director had eye of the tiger, like playing on a loop in the background as they were making this film and being like, we didn't copy this yet. (laughs) (laughs) It is amazing how similar these two films are. Uh, uh, let's see. Sheriff Sheriff Dickless uh, does get lassoed from somebody on a motorcycle. Yeah, which is nice. Of course he does. But he just gets right out of it and takes off running. So Gary Busey yeah. has to do that thing where he is running behind him, but then somehow runs like up a ramp and then jumps off the boat <laughs> on top of him. Yeah, that's <laughs> such a weird action movie thing that would never work because <laughs> if you stop and you run on an incline and on an angle away from your current path, you're not going to get caught up to the guy. Like if you, <laughs> if you were fast enough to catch up to the guy, you would have just caught up to the guy. <laughs> oh, 1992. It's I, I mean, look, 
you have to judge movies to some extent by the era they were made in. And when I realized this was a 1992 film and like probably direct video, I'm like, I don't know, a drama film from 92 that was direct video starring Gary Busey. My hopes were pretty low and maybe that's why I'm so impressed with the movie. And maybe it's because I watched half of it and then came back and watched the other half later. Those good. It's one of those two reasons are why I'm so impressed with it. Uh, should we talk about the, <laughs> the horribly corrupt cops in this movie? Because I mean, we didn't really talk about them in the last movie either that much. Just that yeah. they're there. But this movie is more plot relevant. Like the last movie, they were just kind of getting paid off by the drug dealers yeah. to, to leave them alone. In this movie, they uh, have a full-on scheme where they are using their power to force people to grow and harvest pot. (laughs) And, like, the one farmer that ends up getting shot, like, the whole problem there that leads to it is that he's like, I am going to – I only have time to harvest one of my two crops, and I am going to harvest my own crop so that I can sell things so I can feed my family rather than your crop so you can sell things and make a bunch of money. Yeah, uh, I did. The deputy, I thought was, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but uh, just completely not subtle about what he's doing whatsoever. Well, yeah, and I, like the idea is, and I don't like, I don't think towns like this really exist in the, in the way they're portrayed in movies. But the idea is that this sheriff and his deputies, like they are the only law enforcement around and they are using their power to lean on people. So everybody knows this is going on, right? Like everybody knows that this giant drug deals are happening. A bunch of the town is involved, whether voluntarily or involuntarily. And he doesn't feel the need to be subtle. Like when, when the, when Gary Busey's character shows up, he's like, get the fuck out of my town. I don't want you here. You're in inconvenience. And he's like, he keeps telling them that they have to leave town and they just don't because turns out sheriffs can't just tell you to leave town, right? Like it's, there's nothing you can really do to enforce that. You mean Rambo lied? Or specifically first blood lied? I mean, I guess they could have tried to arrest them all for vagrancy and see what happens. But like it's, you're right. It's, it's interesting that he was so corrupt that he didn't even feel the need to hide his corruption. No. Like he when he he ends up sending his goons in to start the bar fight with them as like an excuse, but he flat out tells them that he did it. He doesn't. He's he's not subtle. He's not like when even in the bar fight seat, he walks in and he's like, you know, I, all you guys could be arrested and don't start with, oh, we didn't do it. Like the other guys attacked us and we were defending ourselves because that doesn't matter because I live in this town and you don't. And it's like it it's bold. It yeah. is very bold. And quite frankly, if he hadn't pushed his luck, it's a very real chance that they, this all would have blown over, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because then it's the next morning. All the guys are hanging out in front of their motel. Yeah. And my assumption is they're getting ready to leave. And he pulls up in his little cop cop bronco, whatever, yeah. and just starts, like, giving him shit. He's like, oh, you guys haven't left yet? But then drops, like, yeah, I'll set up another... Uh, another party or whatever, like last night. And they're like, wait, that was you. And suddenly they like grab him and like push him up against his truck and then just treat him like he's a fucking moron. And that's when I think they're just like, yeah, we're not going to leave. Yeah. Like the, the whole thing, like even starting the first bar fight, like, like Gary Busey was there to, to, 
mourn his brother and to help his brother's family through the tough time. If you just left him alone, uh, I think this all would have blown over. Like, I don't think he he wasn't uh, when he got there and when he first showed up to the scene, he wasn't planning to investigate his brother's death. He was assuming it was an accident like everybody else was. And it's really that the arrogance of that one deputy that really costs the the drug dealers their whole operation. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Basically, inaction would have saved them so much time and money and just would have yeah. made everything go a lot smoother. Because none, like, none of the other Chrome soldiers that showed up to town were there for any reason other than emotional support for their friend in his time of need, which is like, and then you got to go hassle him for doing that. Just leave him alone, man. Oh, we should mention the bank guys in on all this too. Yeah. The bank subplot got a little messy. I wasn't sure yeah. I entirely understood it. Yeah. Cause at first you're like, Oh, he's not a complete douchebag. Cause he's, he's talking about the fact that, they owe like twice as much as their house is worth. Yeah. And it's because Stoney like had to take uh, extra money out for the dock or, you know, some. Yeah. He mortgaged his house to build his commercial property. And then his commercial property was not, was not insured enough to cover the debt basically. Yeah. And then Gary Busey starts getting after him. Like how, how could you like let, this happened. Like there's gotta be rules and regulations against this. And the bank guy's like, look, that was, I mean, I took over from my dad. I inherited all these problems, just sort of like how you guys are. And so you're like, Oh, okay. Well, he's, he's not a complete asshole. Well, Cause he even implies that like the dad bent the rules in order to help the bus- the local businesses stay afloat during hard times. And that that's how the situation got created. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you, you think he's, it, it was a nice little, like uh reverse red herring where you're like, Oh, he is a good guy. <laughs> like, yeah. and then, you and know, then, and yeah. Then, so it turns out he's, he's a major part of it. Yeah. And he financed all the drug stuff with bank money and he's got to get cash back in the bank before the, the, the regulators check him out and stuff like that. So, yeah. But it's almost like, like the fact that he was foreclosing on the widow's home is not really related, Daryl. <laughs> like, like he wasn't a bad guy for foreclosing on her home. He was just doing what he had to do because that's the nature of his position. However, he was also corrupt and running these drug deals on the side. <laughs> it's they're I think they're unconnected. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? Not really. Because like, Noah said it sucked. And just been silence over. ever since. No, yeah, I, I stand I, by that statement. I, I knew for a fact that Noah would be bored by this movie. I'm not surprised at all. Um, and, you know, like that's a not every movie is for every person. But I liked it as like a, a sort of like drama thriller kind of thing. The action left something to be desired. But not every movie is an action movie. Um. I, like I, I'd, uh, if you are interested in that kind of movie, I'd go ahead and watch it. If you're yeah, not, like, I, like I said, I think it'd be a good double bill with the original Walking Tall. Yeah, I mean it's they're 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 pretty similar films, I think. And I, like I haven't seen yeah. the original Walking Tall in a long time, yeah. but I actually do sort of feel like it's pretty 
it's around this same level of quality. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch since last week? I watched a thing. Uh, I watched The Pale Blue Eye on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I put it on my list. Uh, I liked it. I don't, I, d- I don't know how to say anything without spoiling it because the whole movie is a murder mystery. So, yeah. How's, how was Christian Bale in it? Uh, Christian Bale in it up. <laughs> Wait, is Christian Bale a good actor or not? What's our official position? <laughs> I, th- I think he's amazing. I don't know how yeah. anyone could say otherwise. Yeah, I think Maybe he's a great actor. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a given that his performances will be great at this point. I mean, because literally, like American Psycho, I think is one of my favorite horror movies. And I had no idea who Christian Bale was before this movie. When I yeah. learned that he was, was it Welsh or whatever. I was like, holy shit, he's not really just an American douchebag. Yeah, it Bro- really throws it throws you off when you find <laughs> right? out that he doesn't. <laughs> it's like, bravo, sir. Bravo. Well, in the fact that he just he plays he's got such a range. He plays so wildly different characters in different movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody I think might have been like Roger Ebert that said this was some somebody that I was saw on TV kind of thing saying it. They were like, imagine playing as uniquely American character as the guy from American Psycho and then turning around and playing as uniquely an American character as Batman and having them be totally different when you're not American, like he, he, he you know, he yeah. doesn't have, he doesn't play uh, an American, but he plays these distinctly American roles in completely different ways, which is yeah. very interesting for somebody who's not like, not even from this continent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, did we do the machinist on the show? No, but we should. Yeah, that, like, I love that damn movie. Yeah. I mean, we can do the machinist anytime cause it's so good. I was going to say in uh, the pale blue eye, the dude who plays Edgar Allan Poe puts in a pretty great performance too. Nice. I always find it interesting that I've seen Poe probably played by 25 different actors at this point. And it's interesting that they all seem to play him the exact same way. I have no idea what they're basing that off of. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't think, know if there's like historic record of the way he talks or something. But everybody plays him as sort of this stiff, overly verbose kind of literary nerd. That's interesting because now like I just assumed that's what he's like, but I think it's just because different people have played him that way in different right. <laughs> movies. Right. Everyone has. Yeah. So I never it never really occurred to me that maybe that's not accurate that maybe like maybe nobody does know how he talked because they're, they're assuming cause he wrote that way that he spoke that way in day to day life. 
I mean, I would assume uh, there's records of correspondence or something of people describing him, but I don't know. It's just strange. It's a really interesting question. Then. I remember really enjoying uh, Jeffrey Combs' version in the Masters of Horror episode. Right. It's been a while since I've seen it, though. Uh, but besides watching that, which which I highly recommend, it was it was really good. Uh, I've just been watching more Doctor Who. Mm. I think I'm in the the home stretch. I think Capaldi's getting ready to uh, exit at the end of the season that I'm on. Nice. I still, I still think you're wrong, Brian. Cabaldi's off. <laughs> I still think you're wrong. Oh man, I just—he's—he's he's so stiff and so dry. So whenever he makes a joke, it's that much funnier. Yeah. Just the hearing him d- deliver the line "Hello, I'm the president of the world, Doctor Funkenstein" was one of the greatest moments of my life. I think. Yeah. I do remember watching the Christmas special that where he teams up with the original doctor. I remember enjoying that one. Oh yeah. That one's, that one's coming up here pretty soon. Hey, Brian. Mm-hmm. You forgot to read the feedback before we got into the, what is everybody watching? Oh, I did. We're going to, we're going to get to it. Okay. We'll do what it after. Watch, <laughs> do it after <laughs> what we watched. All right. I just because last time I there was feedback and I didn't remind you, then it never got read. No, I literally have it pulled up and ready, and I completely okay. forgot about it. All right, sorry. You guys can go back to Doctor Who now. I don't care yeah, what no. you guys say about it, so I'm just like, <laughs> feel free to continue discussing it. Nope. Now I just pass it off to you. All right. Um. So you want to know what I watched? I mean, I guess I'll start with this, the the funny one, which is it happened again. I had 15 minutes of spare time, so I was looking for something, and I turned on an episode of Spaced. And <laughs> watched the whole thing again. I've watched the whole thing again. Yep. <laughs> it was it was bad this time. I like uh, I came downstairs. I was gonna watch one of the one of these movies, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna f- switch my laundry over, and I'll watch the movie while the laundry's going. And I get down. I'm like, oh, the laundry's not quite done. I have a few minutes, so I'll throw on something. And I picked Spaced at seemingly at random i'm like oh i can watch that that'll be good and then like four hours later and like however many episodes of space that is <laughs> i'm i'm getting ready for bed and realize i never even switched the laundry over <laughs> <laughs> let alone doing the other things i was supposed to do with my night uh, so um <laughs> god it's so good but I mean, it's yeah, it's so good. I don't feel bad about it, to be honest. <laughs> like I, I at one point during season two, I fell asleep watching an episode. And then like just this evening, I was finishing it up, you know, with my 10th time watching the show or whatever. And it's, I'm finishing it up and I'm like, yeah, but I, I fell asleep during that one. So I went and found it and watched that one again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. People can go back to uh, previous episodes if they need to know the specifics of why we like it. But. <laughs> uh, I have I have been in the mood to rewatch Hot Fuzz. I haven't watched that in a while. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. All right. Um, what did I watch that was new this week, though? Mm-hmm. 
I saw a movie called uh, Emily the Criminal starring mm. Aubrey Plaza, which is one I wanted to see in theaters and I missed it mm-hmm. and uh, showed so, up on Netflix. So, Oh, so I believe I purchased it. Oh, okay. I watched it through Netflix. I can watch it again through yours if you want me to. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> um, I don't even know if it ports over. It might. Yeah. It's uh, it's good, so you'll enjoy it whenever you get around to it in four years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically Audrey Plaza is this girl who is um, buried in student debt, you know, renting the extra bedroom in someone else's apartment, working odd jobs kind of thing. And uh, we find out that she has a criminal past, which is hindering her ability to get a better job. Um, basically, you know, some simple, some kind of like simple assault charge from some time in the past that kind of spoiled everything in her life. Um, that one day somebody gives her an opportunity to help out with a uh, like a credit card scheme where these guys are making up fake credit cards, and she basically just has to go to the store and buy something with a fake credit card, and she gets like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. So she ends up doing it, even though she's a little nervous. Um. And then the whole movie is basically her just gradually following, falling deeper into this hole where she develops a personal relationship with the guy that um, is running it. She gets more and more involved, starts, you know, gets her own little machine to make her own fake credit cards at home kind of thing. And it just spirals and spirals until, I mean, I guess minor spoiler, but it ends with her being a full on criminal and running her own scheme. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. Um, I think some people like are saying it's really intense and, and like, I don't know. I've seen like tour de force used to describe and stuff. And I don't think it's that it's just a a fun little thriller that follows this girl. Storytelling is good enough. The performances are good. It's like Aubrey Plaza and the main guy in it is one of the guys from sons of anarchy. I don't know his name. Um, but he's, you know, he's solid in the movie and I think it flows and it, when the movie gets tense, it seems to work quite well when it needs to. And that, and that helps it. Like you, you really feel for the characters and you don't know exactly what's going to come. And I kind of watched, uh, uh, there's one element of it that I really enjoyed, which is like, she's just learning how to do all this shit. And she starts almost like the dude in the big Lebowski repeating things that other people have said to her. And realizing that she can kind of use that to to get through situations by just repeating phrases that she's heard and stuff like that, and doing the things that have been done to her to other people. So it's um it's a good watch. I'd recommend it. Nothing too exciting though. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about it. Thought yeah. it was interesting to check out and. It was on sale for like five bucks on uh, yeah. Voodoo. So I was like, why not? I don't know. Like, it kind of flew under the radar. I'm surprised given the names involved that I don't think it got a major theatrical release here. It was playing at my art house cinema when I wanted to see it. And uh, I, I don't like it. It's mainstream enough that it should have been able to get a theatrical release, I would have think, would have thought, during one of the slower times when there's no. Like if they could find a way to squeeze it in between Marvel movies kind of thing. 
I was going to say if they could find a way to like put it out in that in those weeks between Marvel movies, but <laughs> on the other hand, I also know that Black Panther is still playing in theaters here, and the next one's coming right up. So I don't know if there is any time between Marvel movies anymore. <laughs> but yeah, huh. all right. So the other thing I watched is the movie Skinnamarink that mm-hmm. has been making all the headlines lately. I got a chance to go see that. Yeah, it's not playing around here, unfortunately. Well, it's a very divisive film from all the reviews I've been hearing. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you flat out that both sides are right. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. I would not describe this movie as a movie. I mean, technically, I guess it is. But it's really uh, it's an experience. It is... You go in there and I saw one reviewer describe it as like an experiment in inducing anxiety with your viewers. And I can totally understand why somebody would describe it that way. It is such a weird experience. Um, like the, the basic plot is these kids wake up and they can't find their dad so they decide they're going to go sleep down together in the living room. And when they get down there, weird shit starts happening. Like, by weird shit, I mean, like, the door disappears, the toilet disappears, stuff that should be on the floor is on the wall. You know, weird shit. You know, all that, all that stuff. Yeah, haunted house type shit, right? And they're just watching cartoons and going through their night trying to figure out what to do. Um... But the movie is just there's something about the way it's made where if it grabs you, it is going to grab you and it is going to make you feel so uncomfortable and so strange. There's all these like long shots of this corridor and they're done in a way where it's like it's kind of like the child's POV where it's like you're sort of looking up. So you're seeing the ceiling and this long, dark corridor. And I don't know, it evoked it the types of emotions in me that are I remember as a child when you wake up and you have to go to the washroom or something and you open your bedroom door and you look out into the hallway and it seems so goddamn long and so dark and you're so scared to go out in that hallway that you've walked down 10 times earlier in the day but for some reason in the dark and at night it throws you off and it just makes you feel uncomfortable and it really started to get that in me um there's there's certain things it does where like you're watching the movie and it it's shot in a way where I, I assumed I was watching POV from the child's perspective. And then all of a sudden, like children walk across the screen and you I don't know, something went off my brain. And I'm like, well, who's fucking POV are we watching then? And I like I freaked out a little bit. And like there's there's certain times where there's just these noises and these there's these voices that the kids are hearing, which are telling them to do terrible things because it's a horror movie. And you're just like, it's so off-putting. Now, that having been said, these long shots of a corridor, if you're not grabbed by the film early on, they must be boring as shit to watch. I can't, like, I can't imagine. There's like, like nothing is happening plot-wise in this movie. There's no character development. I don't even think I know what the movie's about plot-wise at the end of it. I watched like a few different theories about what it could be. And I think I agree with one of them, but I don't know if it's right. So I'm not even going to say it. Um, maybe we could discuss it after, like if somebody else sees it, but 
it's it's just so strange and weird and grabs me. And I, I think if it doesn't grab you right away, like there were people walking out of the theater when I was there. And I'm like, if you walked out because this movie was giving you anxiety and you couldn't handle it and you had to leave, that's a perfectly valid response. If you walked out because nothing was fucking happening and you're bored and you just decided to go home, that is a perfectly valid response to this film. <laughs> both, both, are, both are valid. I, I'm not going to like... Like for me personally, I sit down and the, the movie comes on. I know nothing about this movie. I've heard it's getting good reviews and I've heard it's controversial. That's all I know. I, I pulled up the IMDb page in the theater sitting there. That's the first time I read a plot description of it. And it's like kids go downstairs and all the doors and windows disappear. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know what that means. What did I get myself into here? Right. And it's just me and like, Cause it's in the art house cinema, which is just a couple of blocks from the university. So it's like all these like university students who are all like clearly have read a lot more about this than me or we're the only ones in the theater. And I'm just like, okay. But then the movie starts and right away it's these kids like not able to find their dad in the middle of the night. And like, just for me personally, that's like something I think about every day. A personal fear of mine is my kid waking up and needing me and I'm not there. And so I'm like, immediately I'm like caught by this movie. It hooked me in a way. And I don't know if it, how it hooks other people in different ways. I think it plays on people's emotions in a way that it it seems to be grabbing roughly 50% of the audience and fully engrossing them in the movie through, through things like that, through it. You know, just the name Skinnamarink immediately puts you in a mindset of fucking watching Sharon Lois and Bram, and then you walk into this like dark movie. It probably throws blot people's brains into disarray. I don't know. And it, do you guys know who Sharon Lois and Bram is? I have no clue. I was <laughs> okay, going to ask sorry. you what that. I was going to ask you what that meant. Okay, yeah, sorry, but like Skinnamarink is the lyrics from a song that these people yeah. sing to every Canadian kid on television. I don't know. I don't, maybe every, maybe they're in lots of countries. I have no idea. Cause when I was a kid, I didn't understand that TV wasn't, <laughs> you know, wasn't, you know, yeah, I don't know. Everybody, Everybody doesn't know my local weather yeah. guy, but like skin break, certainly everyone in Canada would have. Yeah. Known yeah. I know. And I know the song. Yeah. Other than See, but yeah. Anyways, I, so I don't I don't know if anything I said there made any sense. But like, I went I went into this movie. I went to this movie. It started at nine thirty at night. I'd been up with a sick kid starting at three o'clock the previous morning. Okay, so I go in fucking mentally exhausted. I kind of went to the movie just so I wouldn't fall asleep at nine and wake up on my couch at midnight and be up all night. And you know, then I say, like I say, I walk in. It immediately grabs me on this emotional level. And the whole time I'm sitting there tense in my seat. And at one point, like I see somebody get up and walk out of the theater. And I think to myself, like, like if he had his coat with him and stuff, it was clear he wasn't coming back. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, I guess if you're not fully engaged, this would be boring as shit. (laughs) Like in retrospect, like I'm like, I started thinking like, what am I going to tell the guys this movie is about on the podcast? And I'm like, I, I don't, it's not really about anything. Nothing's happening. <laughs> so, but it's like, there's these neat filmmaking techniques where you're like, especially if you're a nerd like me, who's like, wants to like read too much into everything. The kids are watching these like old, like cartoons 
and you start to realize that some of the stuff that's happening in the house is mimicked in the cartoons and you start to like then you start paying too much attention to the cartoons trying to like guess what's coming next to the film and it's like it's all very strange Hmm. so i don't know like i'll probably never watch it again but i'm sure glad i went and saw it once and it certainly had the desired impact on me um i don't know yeah if you I saw somebody on my Facebook said, Oh, well, I just wor- I just watched the worst movie ever made. But then I saw someone else who that we're both friends with comments. What, what are you talking about? I absolutely loved this. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh man, like, uh, nobody can agree on it. But both of those people are right. I'm <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's, it's a weird experience to see it. If I would recommend trying to see it in theaters. If you can't, I would try to recreate the theatrical experience at home as much as possible. Put your phone away, turn off the lights, just the TV on, no distractions, make sure you're staring at the screen and then feel free to turn it off if you get bored. Cause it's like, it's fine. Yeah. I've heard some interesting it, things like you never see anybody's face in this movie. No, not a single face. Yeah. So that's weird. Interesting. You really only see two characters, arguably three. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure who was real and who wasn't in the movie. Again, movie isn't even the right word for what I watched. Um, very interesting experience. And definitely experimental filmmaking. Um super low budget. I think I read somewhere that it's made for like 15,000 Canadian dollars. All the cartoons, it says right in the credits in the opening credits, it says that all the cartoons they use were downloaded from archive.org. <laughs> like <laughs> that's funny. But I also witnessed something very interesting that I thought you guys might want to know about because I saw this movie in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mentioned there were several people that walked out. Not a single person walked in front of the screen. All of them got out, picked up their coats, politely made their way to the side, went to the back of the theater, walked behind the back row and went down the other side. <laughs> so they, none of them blocked the screen at all. And like, as it happened, I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> God. So I have no idea if I just recommended that movie to you or not, but yeah, I don't know. I'm interested in checking it out, even if just from like a filmmaking point of view. Yeah. I mean, I I think like for you, I would say you could watch it because you'll enjoy analyzing it. Even if you hate it. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'd probably stay away from it. I was going to (laughs) say it sounds like art house trash. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) as doug's been saying every time an opinion on this movie comes up yep that opinion is correct it's like i say i I don't know how this movie would have worked for me if i'd had more energy when i went to see it because it's very slow i have no idea what would have happened if i wasn't immediately hooked in by this like feeling of like oh my god that's one of the things i worry about it's happening on screen like you know what i mean like it's all of that So, uh, I, you can see it if you want. 
Like, yeah, Brian, you should see it. No, you shouldn't. Uh, everyone else out there, you make your own decision. <laughs> More than likely, you're an adult. Make your own damn decision. Yeah, even if you're a kid. This movie will be stealable soon enough. You can, you can watch it on your own if you want. <laughs> just, just some kid just fucking decides to watch this alone in their bedroom one night and starts crying. Don't tell your mom you heard it about it on this podcast. Well, one of the interesting things I've heard about this movie is apparently it was a victim of um, getting uh, uploaded to like download sites. Oh, really? Apparently it played like a festival and somewhere in the chain of command at the festival, someone got a digital copy of it. And so it's been making the, uh, okay. inter- the internet rounds. But then if you sort of think about it, the fact that people are like downloading this movie and like sort of watching it and it's this weird thing that maybe they almost are like, am I even supposed to be watching this? Like, what is this? Like they may have not even heard of it. They just may have just downloaded it because it was available to be downloaded. Yeah. And people are like just, just discussing like, is that what would make it a better experience for watching this movie is just almost stumbling upon it and being like, what have I just fallen into? I mean, I can see that argument totally. Yeah. Um, like I, I never heard of the movie until the day before I saw it. It was literally like Thursday night thinking, what should I do? So I, I was supposed to have Thursday night free and I was trying to, I was like, oh, I'll see what's playing at the movie theaters. And I saw this one and clicked on it and read a couple things about it. But all it was was, you know, controversial experimental filmmaking made cheaply by some guy from like Edmonton, I think. And I'm like, okay, like that's enough. And it wasn't playing Thursday night. So then I, I was, I was just going to go do something else. And then I got stuck with the sick kids. So. I was like, okay, guess I'm dealing with this all night and uh, go see the movie tomorrow. <laughs> so I had no time to like, nothing was spoiled at all. Yeah. It's literally nothing. And I think that that's the best way to see it. I've probably spoiled it, ruined it too much for people who might see it after hearing this. Yeah. Yeah. It could be all right. Yeah. People will get by. Uh, do you watch anything else? No, that is it. Uh, I watched a couple things. I don't know why it's taking me so long, but slowly over the past couple of years, I've been watching all the Death Wish movies. And I just got up to part four. Four. Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Which one is four? Well, this one. It's Paul Kersey versus drugs, Doug. Yeah, but that's not no. You got to describe some of the action sequences to me so I can remember which movie this is. Um. Uh. So, anybody remembers Death Wish one through three? Paul Kersey will end up marrying somebody, and then they will either be raped or brutally killed. He has to go yeah. on a revenge spree. Well, in this one, he's got 
he's got a new girlfriend and her daughter is like maybe like just getting ready to graduate from high school it goes one out goes out one night and overdoses on drugs so paul kersey wants to know where does she get the drugs from and then has to like you know kill people until he gets to the to the top of the food chain to figure out where the drugs came from uh this movie's not good um the movie the movie opens with uh some woman walking through a parking deck all by herself of course um she gets in her car and then looks up and there's some creepy guy standing in front of her car and she's like oh no and then looks down to turn the key to start her car but a car won't start looks up another there's like two guys now <laughs> and she's like oh come on and looks down and and cranks it again to try to get it to start. Looks up, there's a third guy. <laughs> and she's like banging on the steering wheel, then looks up, and then like nobody's standing in front of her car. Then she's relieved, like, oh, thank Christ. Until they both, till the, the men show up on either side of the car and bash the windows in with hammers and then drag her out of the car. And then, you know, they're just going to rape her right there in the in the parking deck. So suddenly somebody comes walking up in a trench coat and he steps up out of the dark and pulls a gun out. It's uh, Charles Bronson, of course. Just starts shooting at him. And uh, he uh, kills him and then he turns one of them over and he sees himself. It's Charles Bronson again. Then you see him wake up screaming like in bed. The whole thing was a dream. I think I've seen this one. Um, I don't know. I got really bored with it about halfway through and then got on my phone and pay attention to most of it. Yeah, if I remember correctly, isn't like isn't Charles Bronson just too damn old to be doing this stuff in this movie, too? It seems like it. He's fully gray hair and yeah. Yeah. And he's just not like physically able to do what he needs to do, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no. It's been a long time. I think back when we did Death Wish on the show. I went ahead and watched the rest of them like in the week following. Yeah. So it was no bueno, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so really I only have one left and it's death wish five, the face of fear. I don't think I've ever seen that one. I think I gave up after four <laughs> as a subtle reminder as to how much I liked it. So we'll see if it's any good. It probably won't be, but um, that's, that one's not a recommend. Uh, something I guess I would recommend is I caught up with the menu. Um, okay. So I've been seeing people talk about this movie, and the first thing they say is like, uh, "This isn't a uh, horror movie." even though it's sort of been marketed that way. See, I, I disagree. Think so? Yes, it is. It is a horror movie. It's just got comedic elements to it. Huh. I wasn't going to say horror, like straight up horror. I was thinking more psychological. A thriller would be the right word. 
I don't know what the right word would be. I don't know. It's a bunch of weird shit. Uh, so this this uh, famous chef has a uh, restaurant that you can only go to if you're super duper rich. It's located on this island, and you basically have to be invited to it. It's one of those bougie type places. And Nicholas Holt, who is going to be Renfield in the new Renfield movie. Uh, shows up with um, what's her face from the witch Anya Taylor Joy, and he's excited about this culinary experience he's about to go through. And uh, they sort of talk about just all these interesting things about the chef and everything else. We find out uh, Anya Taylor Joy wasn't originally supposed to be there, like. His girlfriend broke up with him, so he just brought a friend of his along or somebody that they may or may not uh, delve deeper into that later of why she's there. And uh, we find out as it goes on, this chef is kind of nuts and a bunch of crazy shit starts happening during this dinner service. Things are set up in a way where you're like, well, why don't they just get up and leave? And turns out they can't for various reasons that they reveal throughout the movie. Um, so it becomes a sort of weird character piece, like sort of get to know all of the <clears throat> diners that are there. There's some like super douchebag, like dude bros that are there. You know, the owner of the place. And they, of course, like to let everybody know that they know the owner of the place, which is why they're assholes the entire time. Uh, John Leguizamo's there. He's playing an actor who had been really popular at one point, but is sort of his his star is starting to diminish a little bit. Um, there's like a famous food critic, and then some other a bunch of other like rich bougie people. And things just start getting really weird and crazy. And you're like, why the fuck is this happening? Like, what the fuck just happened? And a bunch of crazy shit happens. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Just yes. don't, expect, don't, don't expect like an in-your-face like horror movie, because that's really not what it is. It's got, cool. it's got a lot of layers to it. Yeah. That's um, both of you guys that have recommended it to me now, so probably means I'll never get a chance to see it. <laughs> oh, recommended by one of you guys that takes the opportunity for me to see it down by about fifty percent. Now both of you. Mm. Well, the good thing is it should be on the show YouTube, so it should be. It's on Disney Plus already up here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seems like a Disney Plus kind of movie. It's 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 super weird. Like when I log in, it's like recommended for you the menu and barbarian. And I'm like, well, I've seen one. <laughs> so this is why we have profiles. So you don't remember recommend those to my six year old. <laughs> uh, it's good. I enjoyed it. You kind of just have to go along for the ride and just try to figure out like what the fuck is going on and. Tyler's Tyler's bullshit 
is the best joke in the entire. <laughs> I just about, I just about fell over and fucking died. We were laughing about that when we watched it. It is a. It actually does look pretty good. I just got to get around to it one day. I haven't been in the mood for a horror comedy type thing in a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's really cool because it's kind of uh, you know it's an attack on the modern culinary experience and the way food's treated now and stuff. And it's also a a pretty funny just take on the ridiculousness of the situation, but it's also a pretty cool character piece that's about obsession and how obsessives hate each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised Noah likes it since Noah used to work in a kitchen. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you watched it and you're like, yep, yep. I see a lot of people in this movie. Well, there's yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, industry insider stuff that I'm like, OK, now I get that. And I don't know if somebody who's never been there would understand that. Yeah. Kind of, especially that the there's a through line in the movie, kind of about the the cult mentality that develops around kitchen staff that work in very high pressure environments. Yeah, they're not getting too much into it. My friend that I was watching it with was like, "What I don't understand is how he convinced all these people to go along with this." Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The trick is that he didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, try to give it a watch at some point, Doug. I know that both of us recommended it, so that means you're gonna make sure not to watch it. But it's not like an intentional thing. Yeah, I think just, I'm just is. saying that the odds are the odds are limited at this point. <laughs> I love going to the theaters to see things like Skinnamarink without any knowledge of what I'm going to see <laughs> rather than watch something that's been recommended to me by people whose opinions I can clearly understand. <laughs> uh, then the last thing I watched is a movie called Proud Mary from 2018. Oh, okay. Uh, has Taraji P. Henson in it. Sort of kind of a throwback to like exploitation movies from the 70s, but not Proud nearly. Mary. Isn't Proud Mary the name of one of those exploitation movies from the 70s? That's what I was thought you were talking about. No, but I think this definitely tries to, or at least not that I know of, I think this definitely tries to play in that same um, same ballpark, whatever. Okay. Cause like the title font is definitely like in the Foxy Brown, like uh, style. So, uh, not that I can, I don't see any other movies called proud Mary, but, but it was a Tina Turner song back in the day. So I'm, I'm aware. Um, so she is a hitman of sorts hit woman. 
she's sent out on a job and murders uh, her Mark and then finds out that he has a son at home. So she feels like terrible and tries to like sneak out after killing him. She's like, damn it, I would have done it. And then his kid was here. Cut to a year later, we see that the kid is now, I mean, the kid was 11, 12. So then cuts to like a year later, you see that he is now working for some local uh, drug pusher. So he's sort of a, a mule that, you know, delivers stuff around town and accepts payment and all that stuff. But then we also see that Mary is still kind of watching over him a little bit. Because she feels bad about killing his dad. And some shit goes south. And the kid has. She ends up taking the kid in. And then she has to figure out how to avoid. Like an all out sort of mob war. That's going on. Because the people she works for. Sort of. Are. Are a mob that controls a certain territory in town. And the head of the mob. Is played by Danny Glover. Um which I was kind of excited to see. So I think we're used yeah. to him see, seeing him in like other, especially in his later years, like more comedic roles and stuff. And then you, of course, you know, lethal weapon and stuff. He was in like a bunch, bunch of action movies, even though he's not really an action guy. Um, like, you know, predator two and that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, so it was just interesting to see him in more of like a dramatic, godfather role even though it's not i mean it's it's not really godfather stuff but just more of like a leadership like a serious role in a movie like this um and i thought he did a really good job so he's sort of maneuvering trying to figure out how to avoid like an all-out war happening and mary's trying to protect the kid because he's sort of stuck in the middle of it she feels like a loyalty to him since she essentially ruined this kid's life, even though he doesn't know it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fun. Just, uh, lots of, uh, what am I, what did Wes call it? He said it felt like a mixture of like, um, like Leon, the professional and John wick a little bit. Uh, okay. the, the action's not nearly as crazy as John wick, but there is some, a lot of gunplay and a couple like shootout scenes that are done pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fun. It sounds into, pretty interesting. Yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun to watch. So. Uh, oh, I don't have anything else, but we do have a piece of feedback, as Doug alluded to. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey wrote in said, Hey guys, longtime listener, second time emailer. Uh, I do not ever remember getting an email from him, but that doesn't mean anything. It was the, uh, it was in response to our winter vampires episode, I think. Oh, was it? Okay. See, I forgot that already. Uh, longtime listener, second time emailer. I was thinking for your new February fan month theme, Fanuary. Is that something that we said we were going to do? I think you brought it up once. I've heard that phrase before. Oh. He said, you can take suggestions from all your fans and watch the movies we are dying to hear your opinions on. 
I think if all five of us submit a movie or two, it should fill the month-long theme nicely. Um, he says, I would like to suggest two movies that no one I know has seen, despite them being rather good movies, in my humble opinion. And if they're not, fuck it, you guys are no worse off than any other month. <laughs> and probably better off <laughs> than other theme months. Kai July. Oof. Hey. <laughs> no, 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 he's right. <laughs> Uh, so now that I've now that you're one over, I want to suggest the platform on Netflix. Kind of a dark but more fun. Uh, kind of dark but more fun for the prison scenario. And maybe hardcore Henry. It's an action movie, but because but because of all your Cobra praising, I'm holding out hope on interest. Yeah, I've never seen the trailer for Hardcore Henry, but I never saw it. Yeah. Hardcore Henry is one of those ones that I just, I have actively decided not to watch it only because it's such a uh, gimmick movie. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be all shot POV or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he said, here's to Fanuary, where you're no worse off from the choices you subject each other to. Cheers, Jeffrey. So Jeffrey seems to think that we actually take listener suggestions, even though we have an entire list from Tracy that we've never pulled one single movie off of to watch. But sure. That's not true. I think we've accidentally covered a couple. Well, we probably have. It was a really long list. It stands to reason that we would have covered some by now. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure there's, like you said, accidentally synced up or something. You'd, you'd think we would take suggestions since we spent 90% of our time off microphone complaining about having to pick next week's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Speaking of, what are we watching next week, Doug? Well, did you, uh, did you notice how insistent I was that you read the feedback? Oh, trust me, I know. All right. I, I have the list pulled up and saw there's a new section on it. We are doing it. Jeff said we have to. I think you mentioned it once before. That's two people who want us to do it. So next week, we'll kick off January. Is that what we're calling it? Sure. All right. I'm not going to stick by that name because it's dumb. But we will watch the platform and we'll team it up with uh, Spiderhead, which is another Netflix original futuristic uh prison movie okay. after, after that man it was hard to contain my enjoyment listening to noah talk because we're watching hardcore henry the next week <laughs> and it's directed by the same guy who did nobody and i haven't seen that yet so we'll team those two up and which then which one's nobody is that the the better call Saul in it oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay that's a good one yeah Everybody likes it because I just haven't seen it. So I'm sure. hoping it's just good. an excuse to watch it. Huh? Yep. And it's like, say, same director as Hardcore Henry. So hopefully we'll notice some similarities. And no, that leaves us with, that leaves us with the two weeks. So my plan is you guys can each find Tracy's list and pick one off of it to <laughs> fill out the month. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Sure. It saves me the effort of having to find that list. 
makes me into the hero that finally gets some of Tracy's movies <laughs> reviewed on this show. <laughs> uh, I think I commented on us participating in February, where we watch, where we would each pick movies we have never seen before and do them on the show because oh, they're, be they're new. Um, I think that's what I was talking about. But well, in, in that you, case, you've already you've already picked well, uh, you've listen, already planned half the month of January, which I'm well, a fan of. However, I'll I'll throw this out there. I haven't seen any of the four movies that we've got planned for the first half of January. Yeah. So it can be a January slash whatever yeah. you said. February. And you got you guys now have to go through Tracy's list and find theme weeks that she set up for which we haven't seen the movies. No pressure. Well, there you go. So we're doing both. That's that's. <laughs> I'm calling an audible. We're doing both January and Feb, new whatever the fuck. February. <laughs> Jesus. And the challenge, the challenge to the listeners is to write in by next week and come up with a way to combine those two fucked up versions of February into one long theme month name. Well, I mean, they totally end up working. So Jesus, just movie suggestions of stuff we haven't seen before. All right. So, uh, yeah. And now we don't have to go through the stress next week of picking movies because I've, I've set it up or you guys can put it off till last minute. You guys can argue over who gets to go first and picking movies next, I guess. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've seen it. I don't care. <laughs> Did you, do you not have a clue what the theme month is? It's on it's on Tracy's list, Holmes. Yeah, it there's two themes. We always have two themes to everything, except this week when our movie said nine themes. Fine. I'm, and I'm actually putting Tracy's list in our list. Just keep yeah. it like Separate, so we can go through it and yeah, it yeah. we've already. Can we, can we all just pretend like we haven't seen Galaxy Quest? I've never seen Galaxy Quest. I've seen Galaxy Quest. Does it have to be all three of us have never seen it? <laughs> no. I think it has to be the person picking it has never seen it. At least, yeah. So, so I'll pick. Right. I'll I'll pick Galaxy Quest then. I've never seen it. shit <clears throat> all right why don't you guys look at the list after yeah. and continue to argue it out then no i have the perfect one i have my week set up already all right we're gonna do galaxy quest and my name is bruce oh my name is bruce yeah i've never seen it i own it on dvd i've never watched it oh it's so good i love that movie so yeah that's my week Technically, Scott and I covered on the last horror cast, so I don't know how the rules apply to that. But I don't give a fuck. I'm picking it anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm at it. I'm doing it right now. Galaxy Quest slash. My name is Bruce. Done. It's on the list. So now I just need to pick his, and we're good. I, the biggest problem I'm having is that I've seen all these. <laughs> but you, you know what you can you can pick them like later you can have time well there you go we're finally getting to some of tracy's movies i'm sure 
She's ecstatic to hear this. Uh, somewhere in here, there is a hidden theme of sexism where Tracy suggests movies and we let them sit there forever until like a guy comes along and is like, you guys should do a month of suggestions. And we're like, fine, we'll do Tracy's movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Technically, this is all Doug's fault. Doug, uh, Doug decided to follow through with this. It's worse than that. I'm the one that told Jeff to start listening to the podcast. (laughs) Didn't know he was still listening, to be honest. I don't think anybody's actually listening. I think it's set up to just automatically download and people are like, oh, I forgot I still download that. And then they just delete it and then never, never end up listening to it. I mean, that's fine. At least it give, it still gives us the ego boost of seeing a little bit of downloads so we can justify the pretentiousness of spewing our opinions out like it matter. <laughs> Some five people that actually do listen. Like, otherwise, it would just be us still going into our basements and logging in and just having chats about movies, and that's real nerdy and geeky. This way, we're doing this. We're, we're doing something. We're putting together a show. <laughs> we're making Julie record bumpers. Like, it's we have a whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't done that for a while. No, I know. I just keep putting the generic <laughs> one in. Especially since some of it's just like some weeks the selection hasn't even been on the list. Yeah. Um, if we get back to the list and we start, well, I'm sure we'll be putting in the bumpers once we get to movies that we actually were planning to do in, in enough advanced time to give her a chance. And we'll see. It's really up to you. I can't. I have no control over this whatsoever. <laughs> Most of the time, it's still not even up to me because I still don't even. I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm way behind. I should have added that already. Let me just do it as quick as possible. All right. Good stuff. Um, do you have anything fun to talk about to wrap up the show? No. No, I don't. I can't think of anything. Isn't there, is there like new trailers out or something? We should start planning the show slightly better than this. <laughs> <laughs> is there new trailers out? There's a new Ant-Man trailer came out. You guys were excited to see MODOK. Yeah. I think Noah's less excited now because of who may who MODOK might meet. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm excited for MODOK. <laughs> I'm just not sure about this version of MODOK, but I'm sure it'll be great. My bigger concern is that all of a sudden, like, Ant-Man is tanking, taking on Kang? Like, does that... Does it seem like Ant-Man is in over his head? Like, maybe, like, they're... <laughs> is he supposed to be capable of doing these sorts of things? Um, I don't know. He's dealing with the quantum realm. Yeah. But, I mean, remember that in Endgame, he got out of the quantum realm by accident because a rat stepped on a thing <laughs> so <laughs> also i'm not sure if like giving it oh well it's the quantum realm i'm not sure like it's like he knows how to do anything in there just uses other guys equipment I, w- I will say this it's the first marvel movie in a little while that i'm really jazzed up for 
Well, means Noah's going to hate it. Yeah, I don't know. The trailer looked good to me. It, it looks fun. My like my only concern is that they're going to make that mistake of you know having something giant, serious, like universe shattering happen in a movie that's too fun and happy go lucky, and mm. it, it, the consequences aren't going to feel real. That was my complaint about like uh, Loki and other things that they've done. Well, the weird thing is, we already know Kang is like the new Thanos. So he's not being defeated in this episode. Well, counterpoint, though, we also know there's a multiverse with dozens of characters, and sometimes they look the same. So this could be a Kang that gets defeated, and then a different Kang comes along and... For all we know, this was the good guy Kang that was holding the other Kang at bay, and it's very—it's much harder to predict now that there's a multiverse. That is true. <laughs> a fistful of Kang. <laughs> I'd go see a movie called that for sure. By the way, <laughs> that's that's really what they should have did. The next three adventures movie should have been a fistful of Kang. The good, the bad, and the Kang. <laughs> a few Kang more. A Kang with no name. <laughs> uh, there was a Mandalorian trailer. It just came out last night, I believe. Ooh. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. Guess what? There's Mandalorians in it, which I know oh, is shocking. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the big plot point is he's going back to Mandalore. Okay. I don't know. Noah may know more about the history of it, but wasn't it like destroyed or something at some point? A few times. Okay. Yeah. I think the most recent version in Ken would be that the Empire took it out. So Yeah. So they're going back to Mandalore at some point. Um do you get to see uh, Grogu use some force on a, on a creature of some sort that was going to attack him? Wait, Grogu uses the force on a creature? Right. Try not to spoil everything. <laughs> I was just trying to think. It does show him pulling like a Mandalorian helmet like out of the dirt. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm trying to look. I'm like, is that like a tiny helmet? Is Grogu going to get his own Mandalorian helmet? Because that would be amazing. And it would push everything one step closer to uh, it finally uh, coming true that he is going to, in fact, Beskar those balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't a Mandalorian helmet. It was a Mandalorian jockstrap. You know, right? heard you? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. I'm excited. Comes out March 1st, so not too far away. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it. I just don't think I need to watch a trailer. I think I'd rather go in without seeing it. So sure, yeah, like, yeah, like you can't really tell anything. But yeah, I understand. It's gonna be a heavy month. Yeah, what else is coming out in March? I mean, that's when Quantum Mania comes out, right? February. We are literally about three weeks away from Man Man Two. Nice. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one. And in May is Guardians 3. You know it's Ant-Man 3, right? You said Ant-Man 2. 
Whatever. You know what I meant. <laughs> All right. Quantum Mania. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Something else is going to be. I, want, I want to be more excited for Guardians 3, but I'm not. Wish I was. Oh, you sad? Because you no. know it's, it's all going to be over? No. <clears throat> I think it's just, I think it's maybe just been a bit too long. Yeah, there was kind of a giant break there, but they had to deal with in game and well, they for to, some reason. They had to deal with them fucking up and firing the director. And then <laughs> yeah, admitting their mistake and bringing him back, but he had already gotten another job. And yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, may, maybe all, having all that in the back of my head is part of the issue where I'm just like, why well, can't we just have gotten this two years after the last Guardians movie? <laughs> yeah. And I think it would have made the whole like the holiday special that much more enjoyable, too, if it was this one off and not coming in between two movies kind of thing. Like, imagine if the, the Guardians had been done with and then that came out and you're just like, oh, getting the gang back together kind of moment. Yeah, but I think there's going to be some deaths in Guardians 3. I would imagine. Um, I don't know. I wrote an article about it and I predicted that I think three characters are going to end up biting it before the the movie's over. Which which three do you predict? Or do people have to read your article to find out? No, 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 that's ridiculous. Um... I predicted uh, Drax is going to die. Um, Batista's been very vocal that this is his last Marvel movie. Yeah, and he's yeah. very excited that it's his last Marvel movie because he does, he hates not being able, not being able to wear a shirt and the makeup stuff takes forever. Um, and well, dude's like, like 50 something now. Eh? Oh, trust so, me. He's, he's like, amazing. Like if I looked like him, yeah. like, uh, Right now, I would never wear a shirt ever. It's got to be getting tougher and tougher. Like, I know yeah. we all probably know that as you get older, it gets a little bit more harder to stay in shape. And yeah. imagine trying to stay in that shape at that age. Yeah. Unless you're Sylvester Stallone, why would you even want to? Yeah. Um, and then I hearken back to a line from the first Guardians movie when they all think that uh, they're probably going to end up dying when they make their final assault on everything. Yeah. And Drax at some point says he's not afraid to die, that he'll be reunited with his wife and daughter. So weirdly, I I think Drax dying in the third movie would actually be a happy ending for him, for his character. We could even get like a weird afterlife sequence since Mm -hmm. we've established that all of the different afterlives are real, right? Yeah. Um, I thought Nebula might end up dying. Um, but I think it would be done in a way where she like sacrifices herself to save Gamora because that's just a, that's just like a full circle sort of character arc for her, for how much she hated her in the first movie. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, uh, I think rocket may end up biting it. Oh, rocket. Um, Yeah. Rocket's probably my big call. Uh, Bradley Cooper said he's done after this movie. Which I don't know why he would ever be done. That's probably the easiest job he's fucking got. I think a shit ton of money off of it. I think Rocket's dead. I think Drax is dead, and I think Peter's dead. 
Peter, I don't think so. I think him and Gamora are going to end up living happily ever after. You think so? I don't think so. Yeah, I think, I, I think he gets her back and then he dies. Yeah, I don't think he does, though, because he's dealt with because uh, he's dealt with Yondu dying in the last movie. So I feel like that's enough death for him. Um, and plus, he's got a sister now. So now he has he's going to end up having the family that he always wanted because he's essentially was an orphan throughout uh, most of his life. Um, yeah, because I think uh, Rocket Rocket's origin is a big plot point of the movie. So I think going back to discover how he was genetically engineered and stuff is gonna. I don't know. It's going to be a f- another full circle thing for him. We'll see. I could be wrong. They could just replace him with the sound alike. Well, not every character that lives through the movie is automatically coming back for another movie either, right? Like no, that's that's completely true. Yeah. Like they could give some of these people send offs and let them stay yeah. alive or whatever. It's just that since he's a CGI character, he's would be the most one to easiest 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 one to bring back for something else even if it's just like a quick cameo um and you could try to get somebody who just sort of sounds like bradley cooper's accent for this i was gonna say knowing how much of an asshole james gunn can be whenever he comes up with a funny joke he's gonna kill cosmo because we've all been so excited about cosmo getting a big part (laughs) oh I could see that. I hope not. Because see, like someone like Rocket would be great to keep around for like a cameo in a Howard the Duck project in the future, right? Yeah, totally. Like he'd be a perfect counterpoint to have him and mm. Howard just yelling at each other for no reason. And obviously, Groot's not going to die because he did that in the first movie, so there's no point. Well, and they've now they've established that he can come back, so yeah, so really he, hard he, to make that death yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mantis, I don't see dying. No, she's not important enough to die. No. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, Gamora died already, so don't need to do that again either. Do you guys think the bad guys will be defeated at the end of the movie and the good guys will prevail? You think so? That's what I think will happen. Spoiler. Well... I mean, there's a good chance that Adam Morlock is the bad guy in the movie and that he just becomes a good guy at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's just the good guys winning through the power of friendship. <laughs> uh, weirdly, that is a power in a video game, the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. It's It's a power in the movies, man. <laughs> no, I know. It's just the way you phrased it. I'm like, Oh shit, you can actually do that in the video game. <laughs> you can sort of like you huddle up with everybody, everybody huddles up, and you have to hit uh, hit the button to correspond with a phrase that you think is a good like pep talk for everybody that's going to get everybody all riled up for the battle that's going on. I love that. <laughs> uh, that makes me laugh. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.